A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You're very welcome to Monday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Hope you had a lovely weekend. The weather was really nice, wasn't it? It was. It was dry. It was crisp. Now, cool yesterday. The wind would go through you, but... uh, a good weekend all in all and after all the rain we've been having in recent times it uh, was most welcome uh, thank you for joining me on the show th- this afternoon and uh, we have lots coming up over the next couple of hours including a new group uh, interesting women uh, working at integrating new arrivals into Ireland into the local community we have a florist in the house for us yes Bridget Riley will be here and Eamon Malley remember Eamon famous journalist the trouble he covered them from start to finish. He's joining me just after two on the show. If you want to get in touch, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text, give us a shout. Now, we start today with an horrific story. That's all I can tell you it is. Shocked I am. And when I heard the news of it early this morning and saw the pictures... I actually nearly threw up, to be honest with you. An assault on a most decent man in Drogheda, not late last evening, not at all, between 8 and 9 o'clock yesterday evening. Joining me on the line first is Pat Mohan's wife, Audrey. Audrey, welcome to Late Lunch. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks very much. Audrey, how are you? How is Pat? Uh, What I've seen, it's shocking. Oh, Jerry, it was a nightmare. And... um we just can't, uh, well, well, it's only hitting home now because he just went over to the shop, a ha- over to your spa, half eight, and coming back, um, he was attacked. But uh, his face is battered, his leg was slit with a knife, and no, no, no. Um, he's just in bits. So he is to think that, you know, you can't even walk over to your shop now. But, um, it's, it's just horrific, and we just want to let people know because uh, it's not the fourth time people who have up in the, that car park. Mm. And um, uh, we just, we're, ju- we're just devastated that we are, Jerry. There's no words. I'm lucky, actually, that I'm not going over to Paddy Townies today to visit him because he's, he's lucky he's alive. If you could see the state he's in, it's absolutely dreadful. And Audrey, just for the context of our listeners, you live in Glenmore Drive in Drogheda. The Eurospar is only a few minutes away from your house. He wasn't He wasn't that far from home. No, it just happened as he came out of Eurospar and came across the road. And just as as at Garvey's uh, car park there. The Green Mount, yeah. Was, yeah, Green Mount. A car just pulled up in front of him. And he'll tell you the whole story himself. He actually, um, he passed out with the baiting they gave him. And um, he didn't... He, I don't know how he made it home. Uh, 
just rang me screeching and I opened the door and actually just come trying to get up the pass and um, I'll never forget it. Jerry, I'll never forget the sight you're seeing coming up in the pass. But, um, and I tell you one thing, it's just, there's no words, so there's nothing. No. But I have, I have to say the ambulance service was fantastic. Debbie Riley was fantastic. And his sister Charlene and our friend, she's a nurse, Anna, they were absolutely fantastic here last night. And Linda and Pat Wood, I don't know where we would have been without them people last night. It must have been an awful shock to you and that you were home one minute. He went over to the shop. You expected him back within a few minutes. When that phone rang and you heard him in distress at the end of the phone. Oh, my God. Jerry, I'll never forget. I actually went into a kind of... I don't really kind of remember which way I... You know, because we were on a high because Liverpool was half a winning. And, you know, we were... It was great form in in, in in the house. Yesterday, yes. and mm. to think that one minute we were laughing and joking, and the next minute we could have been just gone, you know. But just keep safe, everybody, and be careful. Yeah, because that's... I tell you, it's, it's a bad day for a daughter when you can't even go to the shop. It certainly is, Audrey. He, he's beside you there, is he? Will you put him on he to is, me? Jerry, I will indeed. Thanks, Thanks very, very much. much Thank you. Thank you. Not at all. Hi, Jerry. Hi, Pat. How are you? Ah, uh, I'm a bit. <laughs> you, you, you're not on speaker on the phone there, are you? No, you're talking directly to me, no? Hold on. Just go off, um, go off speaker. Are you on speaker? If you could just go off, straight onto the phone, to me, if that's okay. Right, I'm off speaker. Yeah, that's great there. Thanks so much, Pat. Yeah, that Pat, Pat, that's much better. I just want to ask you again, how are you, Pat? I'm not good. <laughs> I'm absolutely in bits. I... I um, if you see me now compared to the the photos that was on earlier, my eye, but my both eyes are closed now. Um, my knee is very bad. My good friend Jel Martin's only after leaving. You know, Jerry. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm a bit. Yeah, I I can't believe what was done to me. Um, I I I I I'm very upset to think that somebody could do what they done to me last night. I I'll tell you straight out, I, I left here my home. It was just me and Audrey. We watched the football yesterday. We did a lovely we, we had a dinner um we watched the football um Audrey's during uni so I was having like I said, I'm gonna have a glass of wine and I walked over as you know, it was between half eight and quarter to nine. And I just, I said, I'm not putting me why. I just brought my 10 euro. Just, um, you know, just to be safe. Mm. And as I was coming back, uh, I was across the road at the traffic lights. And as I got to um, the entrance to uh, the Green Mount House, this car shot out in front of me and stopped. Did he come out of the car park or were they turning into the car park? Came out of the car park. Okay, and blocked your way on the path. And blocked my way. And the noise of the car, the exhaust, was crazy. Okay. And I could see there was a crowd up at the, up at the you know the little entrance you come through into the car park? Yes. When you come out of, of the Green Mount. 
there was fellas there. He was they were offering up there. So there was him and a, a, a girl in the car. Okay. And I said, I I, I just got I got startled and I said, hey, can I pass? And as roads were walk around the effing front of the car. And I said, but why should I have to do that? Because there's traffic coming. I said, you know, mm. like, respect. Uh, we, we grew up with respect. You see a guard coming years ago, you're playing football on the road, you run, mm. you know, and you're doing no, no harm. And But there's no respect anymore. But next thing, he got out of the car and he thumped ahead of me. And this sort of fella came running. He looked like he was dark, I don't know where he was foreign, and he just smashed his head into my face. And I fell on the ground, and I must have passed out, and then I came to. But I don't know how i done it, but I'd only my phone with me, and I took a photo of the car. And luckily... It was the ambulance driver said, you got the registration number. Fantastic. So you're joking. You're joking. And the guardy came and they, they couldn't believe that I'd done what I'd done. And uh, I said, there's life in the old drug. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was taken, the ambulance came and take, took me away and this, that, and the other. But they gave me an offer doing Jerry. And it's not fair because if that had to be Audrey or your wife or anybody, and even myself, I'm on a lot of medication. Like I'm, I'm not a, a young man anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm nearly 60. I'm, I'll tell you what went through my mind, Jerry. I was 59 last week, and my dad took a massive heart attack at 59. And all I could see was my dad. Sorry. You're okay, Pat. You're okay, Pat. These things all come back to us when we're in in times of of crisis, and that's wholly understandable that you feel like yeah. you feel, you know. And why can people do that? I know, Pat. You're asking that question today. Why? Why me? Why was it me? I'm an innocent man. I'm coming home yeah. with a bottle of wine after Liverpool. Yeah. I know you're mad Liverpool fans, the pair of you. I am. Won the cup and we just want to have a little glass to celebrate or whatever. Yeah. Minding your own business and a car comes yeah. out and blocks your path and yeah. you ask, excuse me, could I get by that? And I know that road. There's lights there and it's busy all the time. Yeah. To step out on that road, you're putting your life in yeah. danger. I know this, yeah. bad, like you said yeah. there. And the head's beating at you. And others, you mentioned there was a f- uh, some other guys further up the car park. Oh, a couple of them came did, down and joined did, in, was it? They did, yeah. yeah this one that came down, I could see. But he ran that hard. Yeah. And hit me with his head. into me face. Busted you? Shut in my eyes. I can't, can't open them. Pat, and Pat, I, I, we've seen the pictures. Honestly, I, I said to your wife already this morning, I, I, I felt like getting sick when I saw the pictures. Pat, that that massive gash on your knee, how did that happen, Pat? I don't know. I honestly don't know. 
because I'll tell you why, Jerry. When I came home and I came up, I, I was after, I was ruling my phone, I said, oh, I've been attacked. And I came home and next thing I noticed, my taxi was soaking. And I said, what the hell is that? And I told, took my taxi down and it was, um, it was pumping blood with a massive slit. And it was, you could see the bone into my knee. They cut your knee open, Pat. I don't know. But however that happened, you, you don't know how it happened, but your knee was wide open. You can see right into your oh, knee. You can see it from the pictures. I, I something like, I don't know whether the doctor said he put 20 stitches or 30 stitches in my knee. Um, it's absolutely horrendous. And oh, I just can't. I just can't. I, I, it's going to take me a long time to I'm terrified. Why would somebody do that to you? What? Why can we not walk on our, in our town just to go to the shop? Well, the shop to me is two minutes away. Mm. It's two minutes over. It's two minutes back. Yeah. And I was 30 seconds away from my home. How did you get home, Pat? How did you get home? I had to try and make it. Did anyone, like you passed out, as you said, like you're after being yeah. kicked to bits, your knee is pumping blood, your face is busted, your your heart all over. Did nobody, you can't relate to anyone seeing you or anything. Now, you're not far from home. I understand that as well. Yeah. I don't know whether anyone was around, Jerry. Yeah. Okay. You know, because yeah. I got such a beating. Mm. I got a horrible beating. And... You know, I played football and we all played football and we got knocks and we got stitches and we done this, that, you know. This, this doesn't hold up. This this is just now, this was a horrific attack on me, Jerry. Why? 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 Why me? Why anybody, I suppose? It could have been you, Jerry. Yeah. It could have been Louise. It could have been Audrey. It could have been anybody. But they, what they done to me, I just, even the doctors, Looking at me last night, they questioned my knee. The guards questioned my knee. There was a, a gash. It's about four inches wide, and it was right down into the bone. The viciousness. Oh, the viciousness of these. I'm not going to call them people. To be honest with you, I I, I just couldn't even uh, uh, put that name on. I don't want to no, say it here animals, because yeah, they're animals, Jerry, in my book, to do mm. such a thing on a person. You said I mean, it. They're animals, Jerry, because I mean, I'm on medication with my own doctor. I like blood pressure, all this. You know, yourself. we've all, you know, you come on an age and this that and you know, uh, like I put put so much back into football when I finish playing and this that and you know, and you've got these tugs, animals. That's what they had, Jerry, to do such a thing on me. I couldn't believe it. I didn't. I, I, I've read stories in the papers of people being abused, like um, attacked and this, that, and you know. But then when it happens to you, you say, oh, my God, well, this happened to me. And look at me. You want to see the state of me now. If you were sitting in my sitting room here now, Jerry, and you looked at me, my both my, my eyes now are closed. It's got worse. Mm. Uh, 
the blood is coming through my knee through the big bandage with all the stitches. Um, I'm just I'm, I'm traumatised. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm just terrified. But the amount of people that have been contacting me, sports friends and, you know, all my friends, you know, they're brilliant. Uh, they're just they're just totally disgusted. They think there's somebody could do what they do. But for a fella to run down then, past me a man hitting me in the car and there was some girl, well, she was mouthing her mouth off. I told the guy this and, you know, this fella came down and a few of them, he hit me so hard with his head into my face. I just, I don't know how much like Jerry. They told me, no, the cash is on my knee, Jerry. Mm. If that had to be in the back of my head, I wouldn't be here today because he said my head isn't your shell. Yeah. Pat, what, 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 do you ask yourself, why does somebody do this? What were they looking for? What, what Were they looking for somebody looking to rob you? Were they looking to take the bottle of wine? What? I don't know. I I I I I don't know, Jerry. I um, to me, I don't think it was more than drink. I like are these people on drugs, drink. I don't know. They don't care. They really don't care. They don't care about you. They don't care about me. They don't care about any of us. Like we're good people. We, we you know and. For them people to do what they done to me last night, they were half my age, uh, late twenties, maybe thirty, and they hammered me. You didn't know and them, I Pat. Was, you don't know them from Adam. You don't no, know. Who they, no, I no. Don't. random, I, random, out I, of the blue, out of the blue. It was random. Yeah, it was random, and it was one of these souped-up cars, as you say, because I, uh, uh, the, the, the ambulance man could tell me the type of car it was. It was a Subaru. Two litre souped up car with these these mad uh, um, exhaust, you know these big noisy. Yeah, and yeah. They kept revving, they kept mm. revving it up and revving it up at me. I thought they were going to run over me when I was on the ground. I thought they were going to kill me. Oh my God, Pat! And I just want to say to listeners. Pat Mohan and his wife Audrey are two of the loveliest people and their families are the most decent people you'd ever meet in your life. They're quiet people. They mind their own business. They care about others. And today the reaction, the outpouring of love towards you both. You feel it, I'm sure, today across social media, the phone calls, the people who are calling. It says what people and we all think of you. And I want to remind people, Pat Mohan is known as Pat Mini Mohan and he'll always be remembered as the man who scored a wonder goal for Drogheda United <laughs> against Southampton in United Park when the greatest keeper in the world was in goals for Southampton, Peter Shelton. That day, Pat, I was there. I was there. And my God almighty, I, I can see you. Ah, you were a kid at that stage, <laughs> but you were a wonderful footballer and you've given a lot to football over the years. But that's you, Pat Minnie Mohan, and that's what you'll always, always be remembered for. And more, yeah. more besides. Listen, yeah. I'll tell you this. 
you, the guards are following a, a line of inquiry here now for yeah, sure yeah, with the plate yeah. number and that yeah. and we will allow that investigation etc proceed and our hearts look at the reaction I'm getting in here the messages are pouring in for you today to me on Late Lunch on LMFM Radio by text and WhatsApp keep them coming 086 1800 658 if you have anything to say we love to hear from you Pat the love for you and Audrey is just unbelievable today I'm delighted I'm talking to you and you're alive uh, thanks, Sherry. You're a gentleman. I always loved you, and uh, you know from the other days and your radio station. But I just put it right there, Jerry. Tell people to be careful. It's just you don't know. No, but I mean, at that, I mean, we should be allowed to walk our town. You know. Yes. Even yes. five minutes away. I mean, I wasn't even two minutes no, away. No, and 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 this this is a story you're telling to uh, caution people and call for more uh, action to be taken uh, around yeah. people's safety and personal yeah. safety. Pat, Definitely. you know what? The, the wounds will heal. You know, they will, Pat, with time. Time is greater. They will, and with Audrey by our side and everybody else. Yeah. God bless you. I hope you're I'm feeling glad. better soon, Pat. Jerry, thank you very much. Thanks a million. Thanks for joining me on the show, Pat Mohan. Take care. Bye-bye. You've just been listening to Audrey and Pat Mohan. I, I tell you, Louise, I, you know, we've been talking this morning. I, I, I really have to say, I just to the pit of my stomach, I, I'm sick mm. looking at the photographs and listening to Pat there. It's... It's just shocking, isn't it? Yeah. It is just and it, shocking. And it's not just like he's really bad injuries, but they, please God, will heal. But it's... You know, he'll never be able to walk from his house around the corner anymore. He's only End of story. He's only minutes away. I mean, minutes away from... I know the geography of it and I can tell everybody Mm. that it's... He's not going to be able to alone. He'll either have to drive now. Like, they've taken that from him. Oh, my God. They've taken that sense of freedom from him. Look at the messages coming in. Louise, look at them. Look, 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 look at this. We can't Mm. just read them all, but we'll try and read some of them. Jerry, I'm so sorry for Pat. I'm bawling just listening. It's absolutely... Terrifying. Uh, Pat, please get well soon, says Maggie. Hi, Jerry. I'm listening to that poor man. God love him and his family. I'm so sad to hear this man on your show. I hope they get these scumbags and throw away the key. Thank you, Kellyanne, for that one there. I'm in bits and tears. God bless Pat. My heart goes out to him. I know them. They're an absolutely lovely family, says another listener. Uh, Dean's been on. That poor man. What has the country come to? My heart goes out to him, says Dean. I'm in tears listening to that poor man. It's just absolutely sickening. I hope they get those animals, says another listener. One of our regulars there. Lovely to hear from you on that one. Just listen to that poor gentleman, Jerry. He called them scumbags. Animals. Animals wouldn't do such a thing. They are the lowest of the low. Liam O'Neill's been on. Thank you, Liam, for your message. Jerry, this is abhorrent. It's shocking. That man, fair play to him for coming on air. This country's out of control with antisocial behaviour. Even to call the people animals is an insult to an animal itself. Best wishes, Pat. I hope you make a complete recovery. Thank you, Liam, for that. Jerry. The guard should be able to get those people. They have the car number and they should get long jail sentences, says another listener there. I hope that man gets over this terrible ordeal, says Shirley. It's terrible. It's shocking. Look at the messages, Louise. We're mm. in bits. There are so many people. It is. I'm telling you, I feel it myself. And listen, and, and I know him, Louise. I know Pat going back. Audrey as well. They had the salt of the earth. You know what I mean? Decent people. Mm. Work hard all their lives. Lovely people. Oh, my God. Why him? 
Louise, that's going to be... So shocking, Louise, like. I was just thinking, you know, when I go to the Wednesday club, I would mm. walk down by times around that area myself. It could have been me. Could have been anybody. Could have been you as Pat said. It could have been anybody mm. on that path. And just because somebody bulls out with a car... Just because they dared to say, can you move Can you please like? move the car? Can't even do that anymore. You can't do it, is right. It's horrendous. Um... Pat, wish you all the best. I really do. I don't know you, but I'm I'm heartbroken listening to you, says another listener there. It, and so on they go. There are loads of messages coming to us. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. I sincerely hope the guards are following a definite line of inquiry. They have the number plate of the car. I hope to God they get these people. And really, I hope there's justice. I hope they are caught, convicted, tried and they get the sentence that they deserve and they deserve a substantial sentence it's as simple as that you know it's shocking I hope Pat gets the why yeah you know I hope why would they catch somebody some, do that why did you do this he had no man? money he said he had a tenner in his pocket to mm. get a bottle he's a mad Liverpool fan I know both of them are as well and they were just going to have a little glass and enjoy the evening themselves quietly mm. bother nobody and look what happens and for Isn't someone else shocking? to come running and join in and just like that and as jo- he said just, yes ah. Uh, his knee, did you see? Oh, what must la- they be thinking last night, right. those couriers like? He's right, he said today I'm lucky to be alive. Mm. That's what he feels today, I understand the way the man feels. It's horrendous. We wish them well. I wish a full recovery to Pat in every sense possible and we're get overwhelmed with the support yeah, we're getting here t- this afternoon for you, Pat Mohan and your wife Audrey. Understand that as well. The vast, vast majority of people are good people and you've got to keep that in mind and the ones that aren't have to be brought to boot for what they did. Late Lunch LMFM Radio coming up on the show after two. Famous veteran journalist Eamon Malley is with me to talk about his time covering the troubles in Northern Ireland. Yes, just listening to the news there, the uh, first phase of the Northern Cross route on the north side of Drogheda opens at half two today. Uh, all fanfare and ribbons cut and everybody wants to be associated with it. I'll just mark everybody's card. I hope they announce today that phases two and three will happen imminently as well, along with the building of a railway station on the north side of Drogheda, because that must happen imminently, not in 10, 20 or 30 years' time, because this road will only partially solve a problem. It has to be completed the whole way to do its job, and that must be done immediately. No nonsense. So let's have the announcement today when you're all there for the pictures and the happy smiles. Take note, folks. Anyway, lots of messages still coming to us still to, about Pat Mohan and that horrendous assault in Drogheda last night that we heard about top of the show. The poor man. Talk about being in shock today. He was almost killed uh, by a number of people for no apparent reason. Hi, Jerry. I had the pleasure of both playing Gaelic and soccer with Minnie Mohan. Last time I spoke to him was last summer outside Eurospar and we were talking about the good old days when we were younger. I've seen those photographs. I've listened to your interview It's unbelievable what happened to that man last evening. He's an absolute gentleman. Get well, Pat, your great friend, Pat Murta Sr. And there's loads more coming to us. I've never seen such a reaction in a long time on the show to an interview. We move on on the show today with another wonderful guest. Yes, I have his book sitting in front of me. It's Eyewitness to War and Peace. I grew up with him, his voice on radio, on television, in print, you name it. Eamon Malley, I'm delighted to welcome you to Late Lunch this afternoon. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Not at all. And that voice again, it just brings me back. Eamon, I have to ask you this for a start, right up to date. Uh, when you see Michelle O'Neill as the First Minister and Emma Little Pengelly as her deputy, did you ever think you'd see the day? It's, uh, well, given that we had Martin McGuinness and Ian Paisley, arch enemies, 
Uh, Paisley was determined and devoted to destroying and smashing Sinn Féin. And they became great buddies. It was extraordinary to see see the two of them together. And they, they became known, as you know, as the Chuckle Brothers. Yes. Now, we know that the Chuckle Brothers were two English comedians. And, of course, that's what triggered the, the surname, the sobriquet uh, uh, Chuckle Brothers. But I discovered in my research who authored that term, the Chuckle Brothers, who actually christened them the Chuckle Brothers. And David McNary told me that he was at a meeting of his Orange Order Lodge one night, uh, or a Masonic Lodge or something like that, and young Andy Turry, Andy Turry, Andy Turry was a leading UDA man in the 70s and 80s in East Belfast. And his young son said to David McNary, how are the Chuckle Brothers getting on up there? And that was the first time the word Chuckle, the, the sobriquet nicknamed Chuckle Brothers where, uh, had ever been heard by anybody in the assembly. And the next day, McNary went up to Parliament buildings. He met Martina Purdy. He was then a, a BBC political correspondent. And he said, you know what they're calling the boys up here now? The Chuckle Brothers, because they're always laughing and guffawing together. And that the name stuck. So that's the genesis of the name yes. Chuckle Brothers in terms of the Paisley. And that relationship, one would have thought that relationship could not have been emulated. Yes. And I am actually very, very confident that Emma Little Pengelly, who's a country woman like myself, uh, and Michelle O'Neill will do the business. They're both women who had early, unpleasant, tough experiences. Michelle got pregnant when she was uh, a very young girl. The priest prayed for her over her over her while still at school. And Emma Pengelly was dragged off by her mum uh, when she was 12 or 13 uh, over a period of weeks to visit the father who was detained in a prison in in Paris for allegedly trying to sell um, designs of missiles to the South Africans in return for support for loyalism. Mm. So th those two young women, they knew what pain was as, as, as young women. And I have a lot of trust in them. And you know the biggest trust to have in them? Because they're women. <laughs> women are sensible. Because women are sensible and pragmatic and they get things done. They don't pussyfoot around and gossip about, about nonsense, unlike so many bloody male politicians. <laughs> well said, Eamon. In fact, my producer Louise, who you spoke to a little while ago, was saying this to me in the world today, with all that's going on in the Middle East and Ukraine and more besides, it's all bloody men who are driving the, the conflicts. It's a virility thing. They're machismo, Putin and, and these guys, uh, and Netanyahu. I mean, to say, oh my God. Like, you look at Northern Ireland today, we are a model place, and I am very, very optimistic and confident about this place. Uh, I think that we've turned the corner, and I'm great. This is a big statement. This is a hand of history upon my shoulder statement. Yeah. Uh, you recall Tony Blair made that remark when he arrived at Hillsborough Bar uh, on the twenty, the, the uh, on the Tuesday of the Good Friday negotiations, uh, before the deal was done on the Friday. He said. I feel the hand of history upon my shoulder. I really do. It's not a day for sound bites. Well, we all laughed our leg off of it because potentially it was such a hostage to fortune remark. Um, I, I interviewed Blair that not long ago for UTV for my series, Eamon Malley Face to Face With. And I said, what in the name of St. Dennis possessed you to say that at that moment in time? I said, do you know how much we laughed at you that day? 
because we, we just said this is this could be a, an awful hostage fortune. And he said, well, Eamon, he said, you, you, let me tell you, you weren't the only people laughing. Mm. Uh, my staff all laughed at me, and when I thought about it afterwards, I laughed myself. Mm. I, I I still don't know from where that came, but this is my hand of history statement. I am proud to say, based on my conversations, my research, my distillation of facts, analysis, and all of that, and given what's going on in the world, I think an IRA campaign of the nature which we experienced, which was visited upon us in Northern Ireland for so many years, is gone, kaput, finished. It certainly won't, I won't ever see the likes of it in the rest of my life in my children's life or their children's life, it's gone forever. That's a big statement, but I am very, very, very confident. And two factors at work here. If you if you examine life between Enniskillen and South Armagh, that was the engine in many ways of the IRA. If you look at the young population in those areas today, those border areas, when I was growing up, there wasn't a single graduate in Ertown land, not a single graduate in our town land in South Armagh. There are five graduates in, my, in, my, in one of my brother's homes, two graduates in one of my sisters, three graduates in my family. Now, th three out of five in our families, graduates in, in our families. The young people who are not at higher level, involved in higher, higher education in border areas, they're up at half five in the morning. They're on the way to Dublin, either as nurses, as joiners, as uh, electricians, plasterers. They're coming home with a minimum of £1,500 a week. That's good money by any standards. And a Republican in South Armagh said to me, Eamon, do you think that this generation will find themselves lying behind a ditch, he said, trying to target a police, a police unit or mobile, he said, sharing a bar of chocolate in the early hours of the morning in the lashing rain. It's gone, it's done, it's over. And that's why I am so hopeful about this. One caveat. If a dramatic change took place to the constitutional status of Northern Ireland, would loyalism rise up? And against whom would they rise up? Would they target Short Strand, an isolated Catholic area? Or what would they do? Would they target Dublin if they could? Or would the last battle be, as allegedly attributed to Edward Carson, be with a final battle between, would, would that be between the British Army and loyalism? That's the question. But on balance, I am very, very confident and hopeful about this place. We are delighted to hear that today from coming from you, a man of such experience. And I'm glad you addressed the unionism aspect because I was going to ask you that. But obviously, um, education and affluence has made a difference. But I want to ask you two things. Um, the way the Assembly has worked or not worked a lot of the time since its inception, is it not time now to change the rules and let democracy take its course? Yes, there's a strong argument for that. And that argument is now taking root in Sinn Féin. Sinn Féin were resisting it. But Conor Murphy has acknowledged that potentially, yes, there's some merit in an examination of that. The Alliance Party are pushing for that so that no one party can hold the entire yes. administration to ransom. So I think, th I, I think that will change, you know. But when you look at where nationalism is today and look at the fact that Sinn Féin's the biggest party in Northern Ireland now, you look what has just happened over the weekend. I think Sinn Féin jumped 3% yes. points in, in, in the Republic of Ireland. Now... You had Michelle O'Neill on the late late. She impacted hugely, I think, mm. uh, 
uh, I, listening to people from the south who are very impressed with her. Uh, she uh, she's impacting and very very much here, even in the Protestant Unionist community. They're saying to me, that woman has put a foot wrong since taking over. There's that sense. There's that sense of confidence. And there you had her on the Shankar Road with Emma Little Pengeli, and. Uh, in, in the playgroups, uh, uh, entertaining the children. And those are the signs of hope. What had you got at the weekend? You had Jeffrey Donaldson and Emma Little-Pengeli in the Aviva Stadium supporting Ireland. Jeffrey Donaldson wearing his green scarf. Mm. So these are, these are little symbols, but they're critical. They give people hope. They give people uh, something to which to grasp, or, or upon which to grasp. And, and I think... That's why I'm confident about where we're going. Now, there are dissidents. There are still uh, dissident Republicans and real IRA activists out there. I don't know how strong they are, but I would imagine there's a lot of focus on them. One thing that people may not realize, but by the late 80s, there was a lens, a camera, on every high-profile Republican in East Tyrone, a camera day and night, on those high act, busy activists in South Tyrone. Even the JCBs, which they were using for, for barrack busting, those JBC, JCBs will be monitoring movements of any JBC digger, digger. That was being monitoring. That was the advancement in technology. And a, a very senior Republican t- told me, post uh, post the, the Lockall killings, when the, when the IRA lost some of their biggest operators in East Tyrone. He said by 1988, he said, we realized the end game was in sight. By that stage, Jerry Adams was engaging with with, uh, Charles Hawhey. Father Reed was writing documents, giving them to Hawhey. Adams was communicating with Charles Hawhey. And then that letter came eventually from Hawhey, from, from Father Reed after because how he would not agree to meet with uh, Adams. He felt it would be too dangerous against the background of us, as he said himself, dodgy, dodgy, he said when I mentioned a contact with Sinn Féin. So uh, to make a long story short, Father Reed wrote to Adams, wrote wrote to John Hume. Hume then started engaging heavily with Adams, and the rest is history. And, and, And Hume persuaded Peter Brook to make the famous statement that Britain had no selfish strategic uh, uh, economic interests in remaining in Northern Ireland and would not impede change, a change of status if a majority so wanted it. Now, Hume wanted him to add in the word political, no selfish strategic economic political interests. But Peter Brook told me that he couldn't do that as a minister of the crown. He couldn't do it. Now, but those, the, those sentiments which he expressed but Britain have no, no selfish strategic interest. Those were fundamental in, per, in persuading Jerry Adams to, uh, to work with the IRA to bring the violence to an end because the right to self-determination of the people on this island to determine what happens. That emerged from, all, from that whole period. Damon mm. Malley's with me on Late Lunch. I love his new book, Eyewitness to War and Peace. If you've lived through the troubles, uh, this will really resonate with you. Eamon, I meant to say, I love the portrait in the book. Who painted that portrait of you? Uh, Colin Davison, who painted the Queen. He oh. painted Michael D. Higgins. He painted Bill Clinton. He's, he's, he's currently painting... Uh, the one of the senators or congressman Neil, he is the now. 
He's the most celebrated portrait painter in these islands, uh, in, in probably in the Western world. He's he's so sought after. Mm, well, he's captured you brilliantly, may I say. It just stands out among many, many other aspects of the book as well. Can I ask you this? You touched on it uh, when we were talking earlier. This thing about a border poll is being talked about and, you know, a vote on, on uh, United Ireland. And that would be pushing uh, over a million people of the unionist persuasion in a direction that, as you say, uh, could be dangerous. Uh, you, you've touched on this already. Should we just leave that be and, and just let it sit for a while and let things happen organically? Um, well, I think, you know, uh, to, to, whatever you, whatever happens has to be done with careful planning. But there was, there was a flaw in the Good Friday Agreement and the flaw was the following. They couldn't get agreement on how the issue of a border poll would be resolved. And it was left in the hands of a Secretary of State, a British Secretary of State. Now, it's because the parties couldn't agree among themselves how to deal with this. So it's there. It's in the legislation. It, uh, the, the ultimate decision would be a decision of a Secretary of State. Now, certainly the current Secretary of State, who's almost uh, forgettable, He's not going to do anything dramatic. But you would know in different circumstances, you might find a Secretary of State says, Let's, well, listen, the, the facts are this the way, the, these are the facts. The, the, this, is, this is what the opinion polls are telling us. But at the same time, I think governments will be very, very cautious because having lived through that through which we lived, I think people would be very guarded against uh, triggering a, a, a rerun of violence here. So I don't think it's imminent. I think it's probably irresponsible to talk about uh, such and such in 10 years or 15 years. If it, everybody in their hearts, I think, uh, here in Northern Ireland. I remember when Bobby Sands was elected, June Gawley of the Ulster Unionist Party in Fermanagh invited us back to the Unionist headquarters for a drink. I don't drink, but I was invited back and went back. And uh, Harry West was there, who was a former leader of the Ulster Unionist Party and and and, and, a, and a member of Parliament for that area. And Harry was there with his wife, and I got into conversation with him. I always liked old Harry. I always got along well with him as a countryman, and he was a farmer as well. And I said, Harry, do you ever think? Now he said, I said there was a bit of wine flowing at this stage. Harry, do you ever think there'll be a United Ireland? I said. He went silent, and his wife Maureen piped up, and she said, "Well, Eamon," she said, "it may come, but it won't come through the barrel of a gun." She said, and Harry broke his silence and said, "Now, Mum," he said, "you're tiddly. Stay quiet. You're tiddly. Stay quiet." So he was saying, "You've a dr- you've a drop of wine in, so stop talking." But what she was saying, I suspect, is what was being said within the walls of the, of the West Home. Yes. It will happen. And my, my sense of the Protestant Unionist community is that they, they believe sooner or later it will happen. But it would be dangerous to, to tempt that to, to potentially you could trigger a very worrying situation. Mm. Now, but I probably won't be around uh, when 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 that comes to pass, you know. Yeah, well, look at it. It, it. It's for the future for sure. You mentioned Bobby Sands there, and you dedicate a chapter to him. But when I think of the hunger strikers, I think of all the people who lost their lives on both sides. Uh, the 
the forces of law as well, innocent people. <laughs> and here we are today with a First Minister, Nationalist, the Deputy First Minister from the Unionist community working together and you with great hope. Was the sacrifice, the loss of life worth it? Did it have to happen to bring us to today? Well, you know, this, this, is, this is a debate that keeps rolling on because uh, there are those who would point to what John Hume, Austin Curry and these guys had achieved way back then. But we can't, as Paisley said, when I, I spent, we spent four months in Paisley's house recording his life story. And when we, when we actually edited down, my son and I, who was the producer director, when we edited down uh, the programs, uh, we let Mr. Paisley see the programs that we were going to broadcast. And he said this to us. And we painted him exactly as he was and how he emerged. He used to always say, it's how you finish the race that matters. And the way he finished the race was what mattered. But he said, you can't undo history. And you can't undo history. That's just the reality. But I I, I am hopeful. I'm confident. And uh, I hope that nobody tempts fate uh, in terms of uh, reigniting the violence. Uh, we've come through a nightmare, but we're out on the right side. You see, the other thing which is very significant, today there is not a single overarching, overriding uh, injustice being visited upon nationalists, which is not being visited upon the Protestant unionist community. The other point is this. In other words, the real injustices being visited upon the total of the community, Catholic and Protestant, is shortage of money for health services, for social reasons and social uh, structures and infrastructures. That is a common enemy and it's common to us all uh, across Northern Ireland in terms of health. So the, that's where we are now. So there's not a single injustice really perceived which would justify number one the re- the restoration of a violent campaign and secondly the catholic nationalist community would not support a violent campaign a, a, a recommencement of a violent mm. that day so they wouldn't either they wouldn't support covertly or overtly the world has changed and i tell you another thing that has changed the world 9 11 mm. but if you're looking at your television nightly and you're seeing those images in Ukraine and what's happening in Gaza, who wants to ever, ever have to entertain such crudeness, such awfulness in their lives on this island? These are all the reasons why I'm very confident that we will not go back to violence, that this is a new world, a new era. Amen. You've done a wonderful job. I thoroughly enjoyed the book. Thank you so much for joining me today. I've really enjoyed our conversation and good luck with everything for the future. God bless you. Thank you very much indeed. OK, bye. You're welcome. Bye. That's Eamon Malley there and his new book is called Eyewitness to War and Peace. It is terrific. Do you want it? Would you like my copy? I'll give it to you. I promise I will. The question today for Eamon Malley's book is this. Who is the First Minister of Northern Ireland? What's her name? 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text for a copy of the book. 
You'll love it. It's a powerful book. You really will enjoy it. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text now. Who is the First Minister of Northern Ireland? What's her name? You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Monday afternoon. Still to come on the show, I'm looking forward to meeting my next guest. Yes, Bridget Riley is a florist from Oldcastle. She's a lovely story. You'll know her husband well when I mention him when she's with me. We also have a new Artist of the Week for you. And there's a new group in the North East aimed at integrating new arrivals into the local community, a group of women. Stay with us on your late lunch. Now, uh, let me move on on late lunch this afternoon and tell you that I'm going to complete a family circle here now on the show. You'll know what I'm talking about in a minute. You remember Kyle Riley comes in and he plays those songs and he's on tour at the moment. He's the most electric, brilliant guy you'll ever meet. Well, his wife is with me today and she's here to tell us her story. Bridget Riley, welcome to Late Lunch. Oh, thanks for having me, Jerry. It's great to be here. You're in the seat where... <laughs> I will not be singing. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> No, I was going to, this is going to say you're in the singing seat on late lunch day. No, you're not singing. That's, no, you that's don't want to sure. hear that. <laughs> Thank you for joining me. How's he getting on with the tour? Great. He's getting on great with the tour. I think he's halfway through it now. He was Lovely. just down in Limerick at the weekend. So mm. on to uh, Navin, actually, the solstice in Navin. I think there's still a couple of seats left. Okay. I'll give him a little plug there. Absolutely. When is he there? This coming, uh, this coming Saturday. This coming Saturday. Yeah. You've got to get there and see Kyle Riley and bring your children as well. He's absolutely brilliant. Is he like that at home? Just uh, He is. Yeah, he's he's a bundle of energy. Yeah, <laughs> Hard to just, keep up with him. <laughs> you get it from him. Yeah. We spark every time he goes in and he lifts the atmosphere. He really yeah. does in, in the studio. Well, tell us about you. H- how did you meet? Or, first of all, where are you from? You're, you're yeah. Irish. I am Irish. Yeah, well, kind of. I'm half Irish, yeah. half American. Um, my mother's American. My dad's Irish. So I was born over there. Um, they moved home when I was only a few where months old. Where were you born? In New York. So actually. you have du- dual citizenship. I do, yeah. Oh, lucky you. It's very, very handy thing to have, yeah. So... Um, I grew up in Ireland, but college time decided I wanted to study fashion design. Okay. So off I went back to America, studied fashion for four years in New York, um, got my degree and promptly left New York and never worked a single day in fashion in my life. So <laughs> <laughs> sorry, mommy and daddy, that was an expensive degree. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, that you're not alone in that. No, because, I know. You know, you're yeah. not unique there. This happens an awful lot of people. And yeah. I'll, I'll remind you, and I'm sure you understand this yourself, Bridget. Education is never wasted. No, it's not. And it's the experience you get. It's not the, what you do with it. It's the experience yes. you get while you're while you're achieving of course. it. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. So fashion wasn't to be. Fashion for you. wasn't on, to take be. Take it on from there. What no. happened then? Um, so I moved to Baltimore, Maryland, which was where my mother was from. So I, the plan was to stay with the grandparents for a summer, earn some money, go back to New York. And that never happened. I did end up meeting Kyle around that time. Um, I also got a job for an event design company. They had advertised for um, the scenic scenic art artist or painter or something like that in their art department. So I applied for that job, got it and it turns out it was um, an event florist. So they did big scenery and flowers and huge scale kind of productions um, and it's where I learned about flowers and kind of the rest is history. <laughs> so um yeah, I learned so much there and I had such such great opportunities. They they worked with um 
really high end events and massive budgets. And I really had no idea at the time how big those budgets were because mm. I didn't have any concept of how much flowers cost because I wasn't actually buying them myself. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. I look back and think, God, they were like tens of thousands of, of dollars worth of flowers. No expense spared. No expense spared. But it was an amazing opportunity. And yeah, it really set me up. For Is it true that uh, you worked on Barack Obama's inaugura- inauguration? Yes. Yes. So that was um, 2009. We had just moved to London that previous September, but the company that I'd worked for in DC, in Washington, DC, um, were shorthanded and they flew me back for a few events. And one of those events was Barack Obama's inauguration. So that was the last event I worked on in the US and what a way to go out. It was one of those, you know, once in a lifetime experiences. You just could never beat it. Can we do it? Yes, (laughs) we we can. can. And you were there. And you know, I, I remember that we were starting out here on this show mm. round about that time and the lift it gave the oh. world, the first black American president, the positivity. Mm-hmm. And look where we are I know. today in I know. 2024 as we head into another election. It's sad, isn't it? I know. But it mm. was it was, yeah, a great, a great place to be, a great day. And yeah, mm. one, of, one of those. Ones yes. For well, we can say no more about that anyway. Uh, London was next, was it? London? Yeah, so yeah. we just moved to London at that point so Kyle could pursue a master's degree in acting. So we ended up in London for seven years and um, flash forward to 2015, we moved back to Ireland, two small kids in tow and settled in Old Castle, County Meath, in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Do you know what I'm thinking here? Do you know what I'm thinking, Bridget? Forgive me for this, but I look at you and I think New York, <laughs> Washington DC, Baltimore, London, Old, Old Castle. Castle in the same breath. Take yes. your place, Old Castle, among the cities of the world. That's it. But I grew up in Dangan County, Offaly, well, so it oh wasn't. Well. It was. It was a, a return, a full circle. Yes. And um, back to the countryside to give the kids that kind of mm. nice, slow upbringing <laughs> where they have fields to run through. And, yes. You know. And I said to Kyle, uh, I'm familiar with Old Castle because mm. I fish Loch Sheelan, so we yeah, go yeah. that way from here up and down regular. And I love it mm. as a wee town because it's retained it has, its yeah. character. It has, yeah. It was kind of bypassed, I think, by the Celtic Tiger because there were no no big motorways near it. And it, we still have a travel agent and like butchers and, you know, it's, it's yeah. And one of the best cafes in County Meath, I have to say. What's it? What, happy, what, what, cup, happy Cup Cafe. Happy Cup Cafe. Yes. I'll have to call in on the way to Sheelan. Oh. I might go fishing exactly. I might stay there to you, be honest you with might, you but you, when you mention those things that's that's the that's the heart and soul of a community you're talking about there yeah. and of course you're there the florist that's it which yeah. is fantastic yeah. too there is also a flower shop I'll give Nuffy a little uh, yes. <laughs> shout out to my my business is uh, just weddings I only I don't have a shop okay just studio weddings. Yes. So, so. you there's a, a, a particular aspect to yeah. you that uh, you you're on a what would you say a, a particular track, and this is what you do. But flowers, you know flowers. I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, the last eight years, um, we've yeah we've been in business and have flowered hundreds of weddings now across all of Ireland. But to be honest, mostly Meath, Cavan, Louth, this sort of general mm. area, 
And um, yeah, it's it's been amazing to see the different trends come and go and the different working with different couples and what they like and what they don't like. And yeah, I've definitely learned learned a lot about Irish weddings over the years and superstitions and things that I wouldn't have known about otherwise. So it's Fernwood Flowers is the name of Bridget's business. I take it, though, as well, that you have your website and of course, uh, which yeah. is vitally important to you today. But word the mouth and, and people seeing what you do for others. Obviously, it just rolls on. It does, yeah. That's so much of, especially in Ireland and such, everyone knows everyone in some way. You're only Mm. a few degrees separated from people. So it's very much word of mouth and I'll do flowers for somebody's wedding and I'll get a phone call saying, oh, is that so-and-so's wedding? And I saw your flowers and I'm getting married next year. And that's really how it And away you go. Away it goes, exactly. Where do you source your flowers? Yeah, so I grow some flowers, but um, as everyone knows, the Irish climate can be very fickle. Tell me. uh, (laughs) Gardeners all over the country are saying, yeah, that's not you can't really grow much here but you'd be you'd be surprised you can grow a lot in a short window of time so it's really May to September would be the growing months and during those months I do grow a lot of my own flowers but to be honest the majority of our flowers come from Holland so they're sourced through the Dutch auctions which they get their flowers from all over the world but I try to work with seasonality and always aware that not every flower is in season. So spring flowers in spring and autumn flowers in autumn. Summer flowers are easy because there's an abundance in the summer. Yes. So it's it's not so hard. So does that dictate then the display at the wedding, depending on the does. time of year you're getting married? It yes. does, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so there will be, I mean, you can always source roses but you're flying them in from around the world so mm. the roses coming in at this time of year are coming from South America or South Africa so they're, they're, they have a good distance yes. underneath them so there's air miles and environmental costs attached to that too so um, in the spring it's great to use the bulb flowers the narcissus and the tulips and those kind of flowers which are grown in Holland so they're a little bit nearer they're European European flowers. So if you're uh, styling a wedding from a floral point of view now, say March, April into early May, the springtime Mm -hmm. of the year, what will dominate? What, What will people look for? Yeah, so at this time of year, we are using the spring flowers, the bulb flowers. Right. So we've got the tulips, the ranunculus, anemones, alliums, narcissus. They're all Lovely. coming into into season and they're fabulous and they're so fresh. They 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 don't look anything like a rose because the roses are very, you know, yeah. kind of, especially the, the commercially grown roses are very straight and uniform and they don't actually look like they've come out of a garden at all. So the bulb flowers are fabulous for mm. the spring and lots of fresh greenery. And that's one thing Ireland is amazing for is we source a lot of our greenery from the Irish um, growers. There's Stuart Williams in Wicklow and there's uh, the Irish green guys down in Kerry and they grow all year round and they're, they they actually export their foliage to Holland to be sold around the world because it's the best some of the best foliage you'll ever find. There you so, go. You see, we're good you know, for something. We're good for something. The little green island we are producing. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, the greenery offsets, of course, the colour of the flowers. You know that. There's a real skill and that's what you have yeah. in, in, in balancing both. I have to say, I love the daffodils, the yeah. narcissus, this time of the year. You oh, know, and all, the scent of them oh, is amazing. It yeah. is just something else. It, it really, really is. And... Uh, into summer then, I, you know when I started growing, they know I, I'm, I'm a vegetable gardener mainly, but I've been dabbling at flowers. I, I started to grow dahlias. Mm. So I grow a lot of dahlias. Do you grow them? I do, because they're not, they don't travel well from Holland. There's a mm. few flowers that don't travel well. They're one sweet peas or another. 
cosmos or another. So they're they're the flowers I focus on. They're the ones that don't travel well, that, that are too delicate. And dahlias are oh, I'm addicted. They're they come in so many different colours and shapes and sizes and They've got me. Yeah. I never thought a flower would get me. And the yeah. pom poms. Yes. My yeah. wife loves the pom pom yeah. dahlias. Yeah. I've got some new ones there this year to put in. But they They've really, really caught my attention. So then through the summer and into the autumn, what summer weddings, it's the busiest time of the year for you, isn't it? Summertime. It is, yeah. Summer is definitely very busy in Ireland. Everyone wants an outdoor wedding, but sure, we all know that in Ireland that's not guaranteed any time of the year. You're as likely to have an outdoor wedding in March as you are in July. Um, but the, it does make for a very, very busy season. And um, it's... The, the day the length of the days I think is really what sells people on the summer weddings is mm. that you're outside taking pictures up until 10 o'clock at night and it's it's lovely a lovely mm. kind of atmosphere instead of but I mean the winter has its charm as well you've got the cozy fires and the candlelight and there's I mean every every season has its it benefits has. I have to ask you this is anyone getting married this Thursday, the 29th of February? <laughs> I don't have do a wedding. you have a wedding on I the 29th? I do not have a no. wedding. But I'm sure there are lots of weddings happening really? on the 29th, yes. Well, well it, I, I've asked this here last week. I'd be curious. Does anyone know anyone getting married this Thursday on the 29th? Or anyone who has got married on the 29th? 086 1800 658 by WhatsApp or text. I'd love to hear. We've got no bites on that so far. You can ring the station if there is. I'm just curious about, about that one. In terms of, you know, Holland being your main, you know, source of, of flowers, is it difficult to plan? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, the way the logistics work? Or do you know sound enough? I have X number of weddings and you know exactly what you want. And how does that work? Is it seamless? It is a, such a well-oiled machine. The Dutch flower markets, it's unbelievable, really. If I order on a Monday, those flowers are in the back of my van Tuesday night, overnight. Around 4am they arrive. So it's they leave Holland on a Monday afternoon and they're in the back of my van on a Tuesday evening. Isn't that wonderful? It's mad. It's yeah, it's amazing. It's such a well-oiled machine. It's it's incredible, really. Now, your flowers, just again, to come to the wedding and that it, you go to the venue, wherever the wedding that is, be it a church, mm-hmm. be it a hotel or wherever. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yep. So we arrange the flowers in our studio first, then we deliver them to the church and set up the church. Then we wait and we we go back to the church after the ceremony's over and take all those flowers to the venue and restyle them at the venue. So you've got double duty out of your flowers, basically. You don't just have one set of flowers for the church and one set for the venue. You get to use them twice. A brides or bridezillas <laughs> pernickety. Come on, come on, tell me today, I don't Bridget. have any bridezillas. Do you not? No. No, no I no. have the <laughs> loveliest brides. <laughs> Look me straight in the eye here. Look me straight in the eye and tell I me really that honestly. Do. Really? Irish brides okay. are lovely. And to be honest, I work with a lot of American brides and they're, they're lovely as well. I think people who travel to Ireland for their weddings are just very nice, very nice people. You mentioned Louth, Mead and the surrounding counties, the whole country in fact you, you've mm-hmm. worked. What about weddings abroad? I am available for hire. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm available to help. Yeah, I like the, I like the sound of that. <laughs> but but it is a, it's something you would yes, consider. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And I, yeah, I would. I'd love to do some weddings abroad. I did my sister's wedding abroad, but that's that. And my sister, my brother and sister-in-law as well. But other than that, um, no real paid clients yet. I mm. would love that. Are you a one-woman show? Um, for a long time, I was a one-woman show, and I would bring in contract help whenever I needed an extra set of hands. Um, but I've actually just made my first hire, so she starts on Friday, and I'm so excited to have uh, yeah 
There you are. And the IDA has just announced jobs on late lunch this afternoon. (laughs) Yes, we have to tell you that today a business in Oldcastle called Fernwood Flowers have doubled their employment. (laughs) I love that. I really like that. But well done to you. Well done to you. You know, that's terrific. It really is on a serious note, isn't it? Great. And that the business is there to to push this along. You know what I mean? It it is wonderful. I mentioned uh, dahlias and that. What else? I have to ask you, what else do you absolutely love in flowers? I was going to ask you a couple that you, I know we mentioned the spring flowers and the dahlias. What besides those do you love? Well, it's like choosing your favourite child, isn't it? Every season there's a favourite flower. So this time of year, it's got to be ranunculus. I just absolutely love them. They're one of my favourite flowers. They're like a peony, but earlier than peonies. Um, peonies don't come out until May really is, mm. is kind of the earliest for peonies um, so but that would be my my second favourite for, for summer peonies dahlias um, and then you can't be a good garden rose one that has actual scent not not the the straight ones you get in the an Irish one an Irish grown garden rose oh there's nothing like that smell mm. oh and a sweet pea sweet pea would be up there they're too. lovely aren't they <laughs> yeah my late mother loved the I sweet love, pea and grew them peas. as well yeah, you know yeah. so and I have a packet of seeds I must pop them oh in. they're fabulous I've been threatening to mm. and my wife has been nudging me on that one to get anything going. with a bit of scent really yes. is what, um, it what is, gets it, me it is the scent and you know the blue one that the bees love I've pruned it back like mad this mm-hmm. year I have it in pots mm-hmm. what's it called uh, there's Campanula is that the one that it's you mean it's blue and there's a lovely scent off it and the bees love it and they come to us I'll think of it in a minute anyway it's in a pot there and I, uh, I've i pruned it hard a couple of years and it comes on great again then during the year and of course night scented stock oh fabulous oh, one too you yeah. know when you shake it in yeah. the evening times and that the, the scent oh, is unreal beautiful yeah. besides the looking at it it's the smell of them as well anyway it's great to meet you it's great to complete the Riley Circle on late lunch today Fernwood Flowers. Check this woman out if you're thinking of getting married. She look after the blooms for you. Thank, Thank you so you. much it for dropping so nice in to today, Bridget. Lovely to meet you. You too. Take Thanks, care. Jerry. Bye. Twenty years ago, this very time, this was aired for the first time. I'm Peppa Pig. This is my little brother George. This is Mummy Pig. And this is Daddy Pig. <laughs> It's on a loop, is it? That's all right, Louise. You can can fade that out there now. I've had enough. I don't know whether that makes me smile. How does it make you feel? Do you smile when you hear it? Or what's your reaction, Louise? Did your children watch Peppa? I swore my kids weren't going to watch Peppa. Really? Yeah, I couldn't couldn't stand her at the start. And then by the third child, (laughs) I I ended up watching her. You could play a part. Yeah, yeah. I loved your man, the builder. We dig up the roads. Uh, I loved the school teacher. She had the same voice as somebody else in it as well. So we watched it, not with, like 20 years ago, it's with our grandchildren we've watched it, you know, and they mm. all, they all have a phase they go through when they love mm. it, don't they? Yeah, and yeah. then they leave it behind them as well. It's foreign age, isn't it? But Brian Blessed was a voice in it. He, he was, was brilliant. He was for a time. Daddy <laughs> Pig. Was he Daddy Pig? No, he wasn't. He no. was uh, oh, gra- Grandpa Rabbit, I think. Oh, was he? I see. I think so, I wouldn't be that familiar with the individual characters. Anyway, happy birthday, Peppa Pig. 20 Mm. years old at this time. By God, there's been some spin-offs, hasn't there, from that show in terms of merchandise. Mm. You know, all the merchandise, the books. 
Uh, they, but there was either other cartoons and all the voices went on to be in those cartoons as well. Right. You so, know, like Ben and Holly, there was quite a yes. few of them that was the same voices as well. Yeah, yeah. That and was a great show too. <laughs> ben and Holly is lovely, weren't mm. they? Ah, yes. I preferred Ben and Holly, yeah, to me be too. honest with you. Thank you again for all your kind messages and absolute shock, anger and horror at the attack on Pat Mohan last evening in Drogheda. There are so many there. Uh, Angela, thank you. Jimmy Dooley, thank you. We got them. There are just so many. We could re- read them at, for the next number of moments here on the show and... Uh, the sentiments are similar on them all. Uh, as I said, anger, shock and disbelief and love for Pat Mohan and his wife Audrey as well. Very important to say. Now, Eamon Malley with me a little later on the show. What a fantastic man. I have his book. It's called Eyewitness to War and Peace. The uh, First Minister in Northern Ireland is, of course, Michelle O'Neill. And I'm sending a, my copy of the book out to Martina Clark this afternoon. Well done to you, Martina. Thanks to everybody who sent in the correct answer. Just reminding you that the Drogheden District Chamber are holding a coffee and chat event in Anglo Printers this Wednesday morning from 8am where local business owners and managers are invited to chat with each other and the Chamber team over a light breakfast. For more information or to book your free ticket in advance, contact Brenda at drahadachamber.ie or check it out on drahadachamber.ie, their website. Now, let's uh, roll this on Late Lunch. The Late Lunch Artist of the Week Artist of the Week Yes, my Artist of the Week this week is Barry Eugene Carter otherwise known as Mr Barry White Yes, the big deep voice man Yes, he was born on September 12, 1944 in Galveston, Texas However, his parents, who never married incidentally and younger brother moved to Los Angeles where he grew up and went to school He got involved with the wrong crowd as a young fella. At 16, Barry White was jailed for stealing $30,000 worth of Cadillac tyres, a lot of money at the time. And while in prison, he became fascinated with Elvis Presley. And on his release, he quit gang life completely and said, I'm going to have a career in the music industry, which began with Barry and his big distinctive voice, as I mentioned, becoming part of singing groups in the early 60s. And on through the 60s, he became best known as a songwriter, session musician and arranger. He actually discovered uh, Felice Taylor, big star in the 60s, and wrote and produced a number of hits for her. Moving on into the early 70s, and White's work as a producer delivered a number of hits for various artists before he stepped forward into the limelight himself as a performer in his own right. 1975 it is today, from the album of the same name. Yes, let the music of Barry White play on Late Lunch all this week. One ticket, please. Long almost everybody's here. Hey, what's going on, man? Yeah. She's at home. Yeah, she's at home. Yeah, she's at home. Let the music play. I just want to dance the night away. Let it play off. Let it play off. Barry White, my artist of the week on Late Lunch All This Week. And yes, we will let his music play. Each afternoon around about this time. Yes, you're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. 
this Monday afternoon and after a final break of the day we're going to hear about a, a relatively new group yes they are really new Drogheda Ladies Expats Group but they're working to integrate new arrivals into the local community stay with us Late Lunch LMFM Radio now my next guest is part of a group called the Drogheda Ladies Expats Group and it's a group that emerged actually from you know it well the Drogheda Dolls huge social media presence there of ladies. I'm delighted to say hello this afternoon to someone who's deeply involved with them. Candice Thompson, welcome to the show. Hi, Jerry. This group, Candice, is a very recent development. Tell me how it began or who began it. It's only in existence, what, since the beginning of February? Yes, first uh, of February. So um, the founder, her name is Margot, she is a member of a large expats group in Dublin, she realized that there was nothing similar in and around the Drogheda region. So also realizing that there's a large number of foreign nationals living in and around the Drogheda and East Meath regions, she decided she wanted to create a community of like-minded ladies who have similar challenges, such as adapting to Irish society, finding jobs, raising kids abroad, and of course just to have a laugh. So it's a great way to meet and make new friends and connections and navigate the good and the bad times. And that's basically how group came about and that's what its aim and purpose is. And it's taken legs very quickly may I say because you haven't allowed the grass grow under your feet. You've got quite a following already on social media but in a practical sense you're doing things in person on the ground every day. Tell us about some of the events that have been organised for people who've come on board. Okay so there have already been uh, quite a few gatherings. There's been two coffee mornings, there's been a dinner at the Black Bull Inn in Dryder. There is actually drinks planned at the Village Hotel in Bettystown. Also been a few play dates amongst the children of uh, those who have younger children. So quite a few events in the last three weeks and we are planning on having many, many more. So the idea is to integrate people into society here, to make connections, make friends, build a life here for people who've come to live in this country. Yes, that's exactly it. Um, Some of us find it very difficult. Uh, We suffer from, uh, well, we don't really suffer. We have basic teething problems that most immigrants have. And it's uh, quite refreshing to deal with a group of ladies who actually have the same problems as you and the same joys, the same highs, the same lows, talk about it, maybe problem solve for each other. So, yeah, when you are having uh, interactions with people who have the same uh, experiences you it's very helpful to integrate just share experience basically you can't beat connections and networking may i say that accent of yours gives it away i take it it's a south african accent it is yes what's your story when did you come to ireland and why okay so i arrived in ireland eight years ago so not new but i'm not here for an amount of time that some ladies in the group have been there however uh, my country Unfortunately, it has suffered some economic downturn and as a result, crime levels have risen substantially. And I was unfortunately the victim of a crime. I was held up at gunpoint and I was assaulted. So I have two daughters and a son and I just thought, I cannot allow this to happen to my daughter or daughters or my son. Uh, my children can't go through the same PTSD as I did. So being of British nationality, because my father was born in Scotland, I was of the fortunate position where I could come to Ireland where I had family living already. So packed up my children and my husband and we came to Ireland and the rest is history, they say. And 
Ireland, you know, we have had huge change, as you know, in this country in the last couple of decades, especially. And more recently, of course, with people fleeing war and conflict all over the world. And we're doing our best to help people. How did you find it when you came here eight years ago? How were you received? Um, I found most people to be very welcoming. They're always wanting to hear your life story. Um, It's very difficult to find friends, I found, because a lot of people have got, if you're living in a country for a long time, you've already got an established friend group. So actually breaking into friendship circles, I found, was very difficult. However, I never, slight xenophobia here and there, because if you're coming from a country, for example, such as South Africa, where there is apartheid and uh, they always think, oh gosh, because she comes from there, she must be a racist. Meanwhile, I was only a little child when the regime came to an end. But I think there's that generalization that if you are a Caucasian person coming from an African country, you must be a racist too. So I got a slight bit of xenophobia, but the majority of people were exceptionally welcoming, very curious about my story. I was accepted well into the workplace and overall a positive experience. We Irish are often very self-critical and we often, you know, criticise our own country and we're not happy with it and we point to lots of our young people emigrating, especially to Australia. What's your impression of Ireland after being here eight years? I find Ireland to be wonderful. Everything works exceptionally well. You've got a functioning social services, you've got functional hospitals, but I suppose if it's all down to personal experience. If you're coming in from a third world country where there is no social services system, there are zero hospital services, you have a bankrupt uh, economy, um, this seems like a nirvana. So, but if you are born into the country and it's all you've known your whole life, you have these problems. So everyone perceives the problems differently. So I find it runs exceptionally well and I'm exceptionally happy here. I have to say that's really uh, nice to hear and heartening. Just an interesting uh, aside, your children, you have two girls and a boy as you mentioned. Did their becoming involved through education and let's say sport and recreation, did that help you integrate? Yeah, to an extent. Uh, My daughter, my oldest, was 10 when we came into the country and she enjoyed GAA actually so she ended up coming to um, captain her GAA site here in Eastmeath, and she was in the high school basketball team, volleyball team. And I did meet a lot of the parents, but a lot of the parents, you see, they had the privilege of staying home with their children. I had to work the majority of the time, and most of these activities took place during working days, so I couldn't really get involved as much as I would have liked or to meet as many parents as I would have liked. But they they managed to integrate pretty well by getting involved in all the activities and made many friends that way. So it worked out well for them. So is Ireland home now? Is that it for the future forevermore? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, think, I think once you've moved once, you could do it many times over. I won't lie that I battle with the cold. So maybe one day in the future I could go live somewhere where there's a bit more sunshine. But for now it's home. I'm very happy here. And I do plan to stay for quite a while longer. I think many people listening today would echo your sentiments, even native (laughs) Irish. It's so interesting to hear what you have to say. Now, coming back to the group, if you're listening to us today and you're a recent arrival in the country, you know somebody who is. This is a wonderful group online. It's on the Facebook platform, is it? We're called the Dryer Ladies Expat Group.
Okay, and anybody who has arrived in this country, whenever, whatever time you're here, you're welcome to join. What about native Irish people? Do you welcome Irish people to come in as well who've oh, been living yes. here all their lives? Actually, yeah. I was just going to mention that, actually. We do have uh, some Irish ladies as well that have moved away from home and have spent time abroad, and they've come home and they've also battled to reintegrate into society. So we, we welcome all nationalities regardless. There you are, an open invitation to a wonderful group who are just getting going, but really moving fast at this stage with all they've organised already. So the Facebook page is an introduction to a very special group who will network with you and involve with you, ease you into life in Ireland. The Drogheda Ladies Expats Group on Facebook. It's been lovely chatting to you today, Candice. Thank you so much for joining me on Late Lunch. Oh, no problem. Thank you, Jerry, for having me. What a lovely lady Candice is. I thank her again. Just to tell you that uh, I returned, Louise, I returned my bottles uh, in Tesco on Saturday morning. First time I've used the new system. Very good. Did you? Very handy. A lot of money back? I got one euro fifty back. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Me> bottles. <laughs> I, I put in a couple of cans, but they spat the cans back out. They hadn't the proper barcode on them. I must have had them before they brought in the proper. But I thought then, do I have to bring these home? And I look beside me. No, they have a disposal facility okay. beside you, beside the machine. If you don't get your money back, then went and did me shopping. I went up to the lady afterwards and I gave her the one euro fifty uh, docket, and I put four euro fifty with it, and I did a quick pick in the lottery. Oh, very good. Okay, did you win? I must check the ticket when I go oh, home. Oh, okay. I still to look forward to this it. evening. I didn't check it. I'll look forward to this evening. I'll check the the jackpot wasn't won. So anyway, Asha, what about it? I might have only won the four numbers or five numbers. But anyway, so I will check tomorrow. it this evening. You'll hear tomorrow. You'll be here. Well, you'll be here. I'll be here one way or the other. Oh, okay. I don't care. I will be here one way or the other. I guarantee you that. Anyway, the return working well for me and no bother once you have the logos on the bottle and you can use your money then against your shopping or whatever I just put it towards the lotto that's it on late lunch this afternoon thank you for joining us Eddie Caffrey's on his way with the drive we'll be back with Tuesday's late lunch from 1.30 we'll see you then Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states United Healthcare short term insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible budget friendly coverage for you learn more at UH1.com it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.